What do you get when you combine a general contractor and a float center owner? You have today's guest, Jamie. I'm excited to bring him on. There's some really cool stuff he's going to delve into that really I think he's the only person who would really be able to um, have insights for just because of his perspective of having built out multiple float centers and being a general contractor and float center owner. Before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to Float Helm. Float Helm, obviously the software design from the ground up specifically for float centers, but it has grown to be so much more than just that. It takes care of everything we need at the float shop. At the float shop we've done, I feels like everything, which means uh, massage, acupuncture, therapist, room rentals, employee massage, contractor massage, yoga center, you know, classes, room rentals. We've done everything, and Helmbot has been able to accommodate us for that. So <laughs> uh, pretty pretty darn cool, pretty darn robust, and can't recommend them enough. Floathelm isn't just great for scheduling your clients, your employees. It's also great for keeping a logbook, keeping a manual, having recurring tasks. One of my favorite things is, um, you know, if you haven't or if you have an employee who hasn't done a task in quite some time, They can click on the details, it expands, and it'll have all the information on how to accomplish that right there. So they don't have to go go through the manual, go find it. It's just uh, so simple. So anybody can complete anything they need to. You know, if a task pops up, they can figure it out. Really appreciate that. There is no risk to checking out Humbot. Schedule a tour. They'll walk you through everything. You can make sure it's a really good fit for you. Ask all the questions you want, and it's all good. Humbot.com is where you want to go. Also, big shout out to the FTA, the Float Tank Association. So excited to have these guys on as well. The Float Tank Association is doing big things for the float industry. They uh, they expanded quite a bit over the last year or so. And now I think they have six different groups, six, six different uh, projects that they're working on, little, little organiz- sub-organizations. The Float Tank Association can help you out if you're starting a float center. It can point you in the direction of a consultant that's going to work well for you. It's going to help you work with your health department. And also there's just like great free information on the website as well. Um, The microbiology project is a good one to test your water and make sure that it's safe. All this information is out there so they can help you help yourself and make sure that you're uh, doing things above board, keeping people safe. There's a lot more to it. I'm, I'm excited to dive in each and every week on what exactly the FTA is doing for the community. We'll get to more next time. Flotation.org is where you want to go. Don't forget to sign up to become a member. Help support them so that they can help support us. It's a great recurring cycle. Flotation.org. All right, let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float. My name is Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. We've been open for somewhere around 11 years now. I think I need to stop giving away that number because I don't know how long we've been open, but it's been a minute. And we have a a very good relationship with our general contractor. Our general contractor um, actually floats with us. And so um, we're able to talk sound and things like that with our GC. And we kind of built our float center from scratch. So I guess I'm our other GC, uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm really not certified. <laughs> and I'm Kim Hannon. I co-own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana with my hubby Graham. And we lucked out and got a rock star contractor. Um, he was absolutely amazing. And if we ever decide on a second location, we're calling him back. He said that nice. it was life changing for him and uh, he won't take terrible gigs anymore. He wants to build more. <laughs> huh? 
and this is Drew from New Hampshire Float. I love and have an awesome relationship with my general contractor because I was my general contractor. <laughs> I also told, I, I also as a general contractor told myself to never call me again. And if you ever want to open another float center, call someone else because contractor Drew never wants to go through that again. And uh, that's why I'm excited to have our guest on today, Dylan. Sweet. Yeah, Drew. I hear that. Uh, Why are we talking about general contractors? I have no idea. Uh, Jamie Gagne, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this evening? Great. How are you? I'm well. How is your relationship with your general contractor? Uh, uh, Kind of in Drew's camp. I was my own general contractor, so it's a mixed Yeah, but the... What I my understanding is that you do um, enjoy building, though. Like I believe you've built out a number of, of float centers. Is that right? Yes, I enjoy designing it and all the problem solving and the complexity of it. Um, but it's definitely a complex puzzle to solve. A float <laughs> center is not really like a built for any other sort of retail location. Right. Right. Can you give us a little bit of backstory on? Um, I guess your history with floating and with being, becoming a general contractor and like how those two came to merge. Uh, well, me and a friend of mine were kind of sitting on my couch watching some vice videos one day and saw the <laughs> video about floating, decided to, uh, embark on this business. So we built a tank in my basement and tested oh. it out, showed it to friends and family, had them come over and float and everybody liked it. So we're like, let's do this. And we, we rented out a space and started a float center. <laughs> Didn't really know what we were doing at first, but uh, you learn pretty quickly. <laughs> and uh, we just, I am a contractor, that's my background, commercial construction. So I just kind of designed, built everything from the tank to our space and uh, figuring out how everything works. And that's, that's that. Since I then, feel like I've we might have, like, might have skipped a few beats there of, of uh, <laughs> how things... So wait, I, going all the way back, you made your own float tank? Or yeah, we built our own float you... tank from the beginning. And, and when we started, I think I want to say like seven years ago, there was okay. like uh, some plans on the internet for like a, a Voyager style tank made out of plywood with a liner. And so that's kind of what I Was that Sean McCormick's design or am I that misremembering that? familiar. He had yeah, some pictures right. of the build along the way. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So we followed that, or I followed that, uh, built out the tank, ordered the liner, um, and uh, figured out the filtration, which was interesting. And but once you get down to it, it's basically like a tiny little pool, though. So it's not sure. that crazy. Um, <laughs> and once we had our first float shop open for maybe a year, Olga, a friend of ours, came, or we met. Olga, and uh, she was asking to build a float center down in Kingston, so we decided to embark in building other people's float centers. And, and, uh, nice. And just for down. anybody who doesn't know, he is talking about Olga, producer Olga, producer of the show here, owner of now Zephyr Float, yeah. which it sounds like you built. Yeah, yeah. From drafting the plans all the way to opening up the doors, basically. Um, and so when you were building Zephyr, how many float centers had you already built? 
that was my second one. <laughs> so it was your second. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, this is this is great. So I built my office and I built my wife's office. I always do everything first in mine because I know it's not going to be as good as the second round. Right. And she's sometimes she's like, "Well, how come you're taking care of yours? You're not taking care of, you know, the trim mm-hmm. in my office." It's like because I'm going to do a better job in yours because. I'm going to learn all the mistakes of the first one. What are the mistakes or, or I guess the opportunities to learn well, that you got exactly. from your first build out? <laughs> every time I build a tank so far, I've built nine tanks. Every time I build a tank, it's like uh, an opportunity for research and design. So okay. to try something new, improve on what you did wrong the last time or for the space, like our first space, we didn't have any soundproofing. Um, luckily we were, in the country, not in the country, but in a small town, and there was not a lot of ambient noise, so it worked out. But you know, one time we had a parade go by the, the shop, so that basically had to close down that day. <laughs> Is that right? Is that right? Um, so yeah, soundproofing uh, was a, a hard lesson to learn, and then uh, <laughs> just how pervasive the salt water is, <laughs> just how it gets everywhere, how there's no way to prevent the humidity from entering mm. everything mm. um that was a that's an ongoing battle i think yeah um, yeah we haven't 100 percent figured that one out yeah that the first mistake we did was building the shower on the other side of the room from the tank and then immediately we figured out no the shower needs to be right in front of the tank you need to walk yeah. through the shower to get into the tank that's the best way to do it right uh, or else you're just cleaning salt everywhere all the time <laughs> And, and so okay, Zephyr got the... Favorite. Go ahead. Oh, no, Kim, please. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about our center is, and that's one of the things that is, it's pretty uncommon if you have pods, um, but depending on your, mm-hmm. your tank setup, you know, we have uh, cabins and having that shower right there in front, it, oh, it saves so much cleanup. Like, no. we don't even have to mop mm-hmm. if we don't want to in between, you know, sessions. Like, it, it's just that easy. Yep. That sounds nice. <laughs> Poor Dylan. Gotta be a little Poor harder Dylan. with the pods to incorporate something. A little, like that. little bit, a little bit. <laughs> uh, and so Zephyr was able to uh, benefit from your learning experience. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> all right. Yep. Nice. Also, uh, and, to put all the filtration oh, in one area, that's a that was a big improvement in Zephyr. So at our tank, can you elaborate the, on that? So our first float center, we had the filters behind each tank, and they were kind of like one on one corner of the room, the other on the other corner. Uh, but in Zephyr, I was able to route all the plumbing to one side room where all the filtration was, and the filtrations were in like a sump basin. So basically, if you had any leaks, if you had to open up a, one of the filter cartridges, um, the water would just go down the drain. You didn't have to worry about it cleaning up or mopping up. So that was a big improvement. <sighs> Again, <that> sounds <laughs> sounds nice. That's great. Um, and I assume that just means like the filtration is quieter too if somebody's in the room. Yep, exactly. Still getting dressed or whatever. Yeah. Um, outside of all the water, uh, soundproofing. So, Jamie, since you brought up soundproofing, I am curious, what have you learned over the course of your builds as far as soundproofing goes? Because there are uh, different ways to do it. You know, Dylan, um, I think had mentioned earlier about how he has the channel, um, the channel gaps and, you know, but I don't have that. I have the double drywall with an air gap, double drywall on each side. Is, Is there anything that you found to be 
are they are they equal? Is there one that's better than another? Is there a cost saving benefit to doing one one way or another way, or is there just a certain point? It doesn't help. What's your experience told you about it? So it's interesting that I didn't soundproof our first flow center because previously I had built like a million dollar uh, recording studio for Union College where we had like some very detailed soundproofing plans and and details and like we met with the guy who designed the room and so I just I guess I didn't realize at first that what we were selling was a soundproof room I, right, I, yeah, I didn't yeah, click cool. but uh, as far as uh, it's definitely it's definitely a, a balancing act for soundproofing because you can spend a ton of money but at some point it comes to like diminishing rec- returns so like that the best you can do is the double wall setup but really what it comes down to is mass and isolation mm-hmm. so you want lots of drywall if you can just do four layers of drywall that's probably better than the double wall situation like just four layers on one side the more mass you get the better it is and the other rule is um it has to be sealed up tight like it was an aquarium so even the, your, your drywall gaps got to be tight or sound caught um everything's got to be just the bottom of the wall has to be sealed with sound cock uh the door is going to be your biggest weak spot so uh for olga's flow center in kingston zephyr float i built a custom door where i took a like a regular six panel door and attached it to like a fire core door basically it was like two and a half inch thick solid door um that weighed about 350 pounds <laughs> one of our float centers i made solid concrete doors that weighed like 500 pounds um, so that's always the weakest point. Uh, Not anymore. <laughs> what? Okay, that's a lot of door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it, the door is a lot of surface area of the room, right? Like that's exposed. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. whatever you do for your walls is going to be, um, it's only going to be as strong as how sealed your door is, basically. Like a 5%, uh, 5% air in your soundproofing job will reduce the system's capacity by 95%. So it's important to seal all those gaps and have like automatic door bottoms that clamp on the door shuts and gaskets around the doors. And yeah, and it's, you, you can go out and get $12,000 soundproof doors, but you can do it uh, in a cost-effective way also. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the most surprising things in working with um, new float center owners or people who are going to build out a float center. Um, I think the education and soundproofing has, has gotten out quite a bit of like having an air gap or, or um, m- multiple layers of sheetrock. But uh, the door being the weakest link in general, I think, is, is still something that I think people maybe don't fully understand just yet or, you know, just the, the awareness needs to be raised on that more. And um and also outlets as well, I think, is another oh, one yeah. that people forget about. Um, outlets, that's... light fixtures, any penetration mm-hmm. for uh, the flow exactly. center in Kingston, the Zephyr float. I've actually wrapped all the outlets with two layers of drywall and all the light fixtures with two layers of drywall. It's like they're boxed in and Do sealed. Prints? So Are you kidding me? That's, Dude. I, yeah, that, that's how the recording studio for uh, Union College oh, was designed. So I was kind of following their examples. Even the ventilation that you want to do, you, you kind of like reroute it kind of like a serpentine kind of path so it's not direct and yeah. boxed in with 
drywall. Lots of drywall. Lots of five eighths drywall. <laughs> Man, uh, so people should be getting in in touch with Jamie to do their build out because already he is sounding amazing. The stuff that he's I've talking about, he clearly knows his stuff. <laughs> say, say that again. What was that? I said I've done a couple little consulting jobs for Photoshop in the past. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I a lot of what I wanted to talk tonight to you about was how somebody can talk to a general contractor who doesn't know what you know about. Um, and I'm, you know, we can get back to some more of this detailed information, which I love. Um, but I also just love this bridge of you having owned float centers and having built them. You understand the value of soundproofing. You've learned the lessons of it. Um, whereas most general contractors, I, sorry, I, I, I'm gonna, I might insult your entire field here, but oh, in no, my experience, fine. Oh, good, good. Um, in, in, my, in my experience, uh, what I, the feedback I hear is a client, uh, so if I'm doing consulting work, the general contractor thinks they know. I know soundproofing because I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and so they understand. And, it, and, and, they, and they don't, you know? It's just, it's such a different level to put, you know, when you put a cup, cup up to the door and you can hear what's on the other side, except you're putting that to the floor and you're floating an entire body in it that can bring in any vibration or sound audio frequency in like it's, it's so intense. So how the heck do we talk to a general contractor about that? I think the best way to talk to a general contractor is going to be through the plans and construction documents. So Mm -hmm. the first step is to work with a good architect or or somebody that's going to draft up some like detailed, thorough plans that don't just skimp on the details, but that illustrate exactly what you're looking for um, right from the onset. Because uh, if you got to explain it to him in the field, then it's you're already kind of behind the ball. Sure. Because he's already quoted you for what he thought, and now you're right, asking right. for something different, perhaps. So sure. uh, it's always important to kind of get everything outlined just from the onset as best you can of course uh you know it's, it's impossible to think of everything but uh another thing too is like you, the the order of how things are going to go is something to consider because it's not going to be like uh, a regular job where you just build out all the rooms and you bring all the furniture in a lot of float centers mm-hmm. are building the rooms around the tanks right because mm-hmm. they're so big so yeah that's going to be a little bit different of a scheduling order that he's got to plan for and that's got to be discussed ahead of time um i guess uh i think it's important to have thorough details and and specifications from the onset to present uh i'm sure there'll be some discussions during the job but the more you have ahead of time that's clear and describes what you want the easier it's going to be to work with them or to find a general contractor that's going to be good to work with Hmm. You want so do your homework beforehand is what I'm hearing is do your homework beforehand. Know, know what your build out, the needs of your build out are going to be beforehand. Cause your general contractor isn't going to be that person. They're just going to follow the plans. I mean, that's, that's basically how it goes. They just follow, okay, follow the plans. They try to, and then they use past experience to be like, Oh, that's how I built a building before. This is how I built a room before. This is how a job goes. So yeah. that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to think. Um, but that's not what you're going to need because mm-hmm. you need perhaps three walls built in this room and then the tank brought in. 
before you can proceed mm-hmm. with the rest of the walls and the plumbing right. and all that. So, yeah. um, got it. So uh, there's a an old story. Um, there's somebody in the flow industry named Greg Griffin who I remember when he had his build out uh, had his his construction crew just screwed right through the sheetrock into studs right through his hat channeling. And I don't know if he had Isomax clips or whisper clips or, or what he had going on exactly. But, and, and, and sorry to bring up this, uh, tear the scab off, Greg, but it, it sounds like he just threw a whole lot of money at something and they just went, just drilled right through through that cache um, by mounting the sheetrocks right to the studs. Um, that's always stayed with me and, and it haunts me. Um, yes. so, so his recommendation was be there basically any minute that your contractor's there or their crew is there, who, by the way, are not the same people that you're talking to necessarily. Like the crew isn't necessarily getting all that information. Be there and make sure they're doing it correctly. How do you feel about that as a general contractor? Absolutely. Um, okay. You nice. want to have some faith in your general contractor and you want to trust them to a degree, but um, quality control in the end is going to be your responsibility. Be there as much as you can be to pay attention to what people are doing, and just yeah, like you said, in, uh, screwing right through the um, RC channel into the studs. That's one way to mess it up. Another way I've seen is where they just install it backwards, like upside down, and it doesn't do anything. So um, it's, just, it's okay. difficult okay. because not everybody knows that, and there's a lot. Sure. But you can Google it. It's not that hard. Um, you could Google what it's what it's supposed to look like installed. There's plenty of pictures. Oh, funny. Look at the right, picture, yeah. look at the wall. Everything checks out. Give them a thumbs up. Walk away. Nice. Um, but it's important to be there and to make sure that everything's going to be built to the specifications that are drawn on the drawings, basically, or that you're hoping for. Can so. I go back to you building out Zephyr? When yeah. you, uh, going in with your experience that you already had, um, Olga probably had a vision for what she wanted her float center to look like or how it should operate. Where did you come in and say, well, actually it might be best if we take a left turn instead of a right turn. Um, she was, she was actually really great to work with. So she left a lot of the design of how the tanks were going to go together to me. And she picked out a lot of the finishes. So that's kind of how it worked out. Um, (laughs) Um, the tanks require a certain amount of room and they got to be built a certain way. And, uh, and that's just, uh, that's a fixed, you know, that's, that's fixed in stone. You can't really mess with that. Um, so as far as, uh, like we laid out all the plumbing into a side room that's to the side of both tanks and, uh, we kind of like did a mirrored layout so that she had the same space on the other side. It worked out good. she was really good to work with, so <laughs> I don't have much to say on that. And can I ask, the, the other thing that seems to come up in working with uh, clients who are going to have a build-out is, yeah, this this is the dream building, this is the dream float center suite. And then they talk to their general contractor and they're like, oh, we don't have a million dollars. Yeah, maybe we should um, maybe we should find a way to cut a corner or two. Um, did you guys have to do any of that or in any of your other build-outs? Have you faced that obstacle? And I'm curious where you start chopping things off, saving a penny well, or two. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very advantageous to know a little bit about construction and how to do things because sure. labor is going to be a huge cost. And um, so, like, when it comes to soundproofing, 
you can do soundproofing in a cost-effective manner, in a sort of expensive manner, or in a like blow-through-the-budget manner. So, um, trying to figure out a good happy medium is important. Uh, as far as cost-cutting, like, like you don't need any, hmm, you don't need like all the super fancy like Z Max isolator clips or the things that got fancy brand names. You can get away with a lot of layers of drywall isolation, just sealing it tight. As far as soundproofing goes, um, as far as the, the tanks go, I don't know whether you, whether you got pods or um, kind of like. I guess I can't really speak to many commercial tanks because I'm not too familiar with them, but. Um, there's not much you can skimp on in that direction. Sure, sure. Um, your finish, try to keep your finishes and fancy stuff to a minimum if you want to save money. Cool. Uh, it's tough because you want to get good contractors, so you're going to have to pay good money for good contractors. Um, you can't always go with the lowest bid because they might not have Do you want to speak food. on the, I know Drew's biting, like, literally biting the microphone here, but can you talk about the... Uh, I'm sorry, Drew, I promise I'll hand it off, but can you talk about that pricing of a contractor? Can you speak on that? Oh, shoot. Did I just take Drew's? Yeah, you did. That's my question. Can you give, I wanted to put him on the spot. Can you give us a range? Oh, what it, sure. What, uh, but pricing, yeah. How can you judge as a, as a person fake, you know, trying to dream out your, your float center and or what's a range of a float center build-out going for these days compared to when it first started or you first started? Um, I cannot speak to what it's going for these days because prices have gone crazy mm. in the last year or two. Uh, a lot. It's a lot, right? Yeah, it's a lot. It's crazy. It's totally <laughs> out of this world ridiculous crazy. Mm. So I hope that that's going to change in the next year or so. But um, like material has been through the roof. It's going back down. Labor is still through the roof. Um, I get a lot of quotes, It's which is like a very hard thing to request because I know that that's hard to do in the first place. A lot of contractors aren't even returning calls. It seems like there's only a handful to choose from these days. Wow. And uh, so, but get as many quotes as you can. Mm. And then once you have a couple of decent prices, at least a, a range that you're looking at, then uh, meet with them to make sure they understand what it is they're actually quoting. Because uh, it, like it's, there's a, like the soundproofing's got to be done a certain way, and if they're just quoting it as just hanging rock, then it's oh, like right, right. you know they're not going to be paying attention to uh, properly soundcocking the bottom of the wall, the gaps, and all that stuff. Um, don't yeah, you don't want a contractor that's putting screws through the drywall into the through the RC clip into the stud. <laughs> like you want them to have some understanding of what isolation is and, and dampening and vibration control. Um, you're just gonna have to be a good gauge of character and intelligence in that in that case. But uh, I have yeah, I have no would idea you, how much. Would you recommend um, having all of your architectural plans before going to your contractors and asking for those bids? I would, yeah, because it's a lot easier if you work with an architect because you're just drawing lines on paper at that point. Nothing's costing you that much money, so right, right. get everything drawn out. It's like I can envision what plans look like as a finished structure. I can interpret it, but I know that's hard for a lot of people to do. But I guess just 
find a class online on how to read plans because it's going to be important. Because <laughs> um, it's a lot cheaper to work with an architect and get all the lines drawn on paper first and tell them you want a detail for how the soundproofing goes onto the wall. Like, you want it drawn out. Like, draw out the stud with the clip, with the drywall. They can do that. That's a detail that's normally included in big commercial job plans. They probably just have it in a folder. So, if you get that all um, as detailed as you'd like and like your perfect vision, then approaching a general contractor is going to be a lot easier. Because there's not going to be a lot of ambiguity. There's not going to be a lot of questions. It's going to be a much clearer picture of what you're trying to get. So I think that's the most important way to deal with the general contractor. Can I throw a little thing in yeah. that I would... I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. Is um, Have the architecture draw the plans. Speak to a consultant. And I don't care if you go through Art of the Flow for your consulting, Floating Solutions, or anybody else out there. Having somebody who has experience with soundproofing and being able sure. to, to look at that and see the function, not just soundproofing, but the function of your float center, the flow, plumbing, all of that stuff, before you then start getting bids on it. Um, and, and I think that could, could save some time in the back and forth there. Absolutely. And for a lot of states, you actually might not need to get an architect right away to draw everything up. Because architects, are, they basically just offload all of the drawing to a draftsman which is just some guy that knows how to draw on a computer. No degree or anything. Like mm. So maybe it's best to just work with a draftsman at first that can draw out a lot of the stuff and then find an architect that'll stamp off on it and agree and do the calculations for whatever you need. So, I mean, it almost sounds like if you have the blueprints of the space, like just print out a copy and start drawing yourself of what your dream center is or what you think w- would work best. Yep. That's, I mean, the... the if you know what tank you're gonna get, that's a good place to start. Cause uh, like our tanks, we use they're like float cabins basically. So they're a certain size, and they can be oriented in a certain way that's the most efficient for where the and then the plumbing needs a certain amount of space. So like the rooms have to be a certain size, basically. There's it's pretty fixed. Like you can mess with it a little bit, but that's difficult. Um, if you have a pod, I'm just the same thing. They take a certain amount of floor space and you need a shower in there and you need the filtration. So it's a certain amount of space. So you can draw those out ahead of time or figure those out ahead of time and then you got to figure out how to plug them onto your, your the plan of your space sure. once you find your space because you might st- you know be in the process of looking for a space or shopping out different places. Some places will have different requirements than others like a old building from the 1900s versus a brand new vanilla box commercial space. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, maybe I'll step back. Kim and Drew, do you have any? Okay, because I I have a couple specific questions. Like, I am very curious if you have any thoughts on green glue specifically. Um, Yes, I am very familiar with green glue. Please. Um, So their acoustical sealant, which is the white thicker material is great low cost use a lot of it get tons of it because that's it's a non-hardening like it's a non-hardening caulk that's your acoustical sealant that goes at the bottom of the walls in between layers on the seams everywhere that the drywall gets itself the green glue their like um, flagship product 
is great for like low frequency noise. It literally converts sound frequency to heat, which is insane. I don't know how that works, but it's crazy. Uh, It's a very unique product and it's great for low frequency noise. So like bass, cars driving by, it's excellent for that. Um, Yeah, I encourage the use of it. It's expensive, but it's worth its weight in gold. Especially when you're you're exposed to a lot of like we the last float center we built um, was kind of in a shared space with a, a juice bar that ran like 90 decibel commercial blenders all day, and uh, we used we built custom tank walls that had uh, green glue um, and two layers of five eighths for the, for the walls along with some other materials, and we managed to block out like 90 decibel blenders like 25 nice. feet away, so. And so did you just do that on the walls facing the blenders or did you make sure every wall had that? With soundproofing, it's kind of, you got to enclose your whole space with that material or else you're losing it. You're wasting it. If you're not doing the whole space, you're wasting it basically, unfortunately. So the way we build our tanks, we build the tanks soundproof and then we build the walls a little less soundproof because they're more surface area. So you can kind of get away with putting less material on those walls. Very cool. But, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, like our float you, tank, dry, empty, weighs like 1,200 pounds, I think, just the walls. So, so w- can somebody go online and look at what your float tanks look like? Uh, I'm, yeah, if you go to requiescent.com, I think we just have pictures of them finished. And Sure, know. yeah. Um, but uh, I can put up some some photos of the build-outs for MySpace and Zephyr Float on my website, if you'd like. Uh, that'd be super cool. Or if you just want to send them our way, we can post them on our website too. But either way, yeah. we'll include a link to to your center and uh, to those photos if you if you host those for sure. Yeah, I'd be very interested. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, goodness gracious. I'm, <laughs> I feel like I had a few other questions that were a little bit more technical uh, about soundproofing stuff and, and so, your experiences with it. Another yeah, thing about soundproofing, another thought is like um, when you're designing the space, a lot of times the architect won't even bother drawing out anything regarding like plumbing or electrical or like how those are mechanical or like HVAC is going to run through the space. Mm. But designing the space so that you can avoid running like plumbing pipes or ductwork through your tank rooms is a big deal because there's another weak spot. Got it. Um, and then any penetration that goes through those walls has to be sealed up. Like both sides sealed tight, like an aquarium, basically. You want to be able to fill your whole room up with water and that not leak. That's the goal of soundproofing. Um, if it's just, it's a small margin of error just ruins the efficiency of the whole system. It's a system you got to think about it as a system, not just as individual walls and, and materials. It's the system together that provides the soundproofing. Jamie, I am uh, over the moon listening to you talk. I, I've never talked to a general contractor who who's had this point of view and, and knowledge. This is awesome. I, I feel like you should open, you should build everybody's float center. <laughs> Dylan, you also gave me anxiety. I was getting anxiety <laughs> thinking about... The whole build out and learning all of this stuff and having to ask questions and I I wish I had had the money I would have paid somebody mm. to do all the work it was very difficult to do especially not knowing what I was doing but um, Jamie has a lot of great information there so we, we appreciate that 
And I mean, uh, that's why I built our center to save money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. What about flooring? What are your thoughts on um, float float room floor? You know, the actual float room itself, flooring. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> flooring. I know that there's some like sheet products that people are using, I believe, out there. Are you talking about like ultramarine flooring or Tecaron? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Those are good. Whatever you use for your flooring, it's basically going to get ruined. So, Uh, (laughs) like it's it's very the salt water is so hard on everything in your room. Uh, I think that tile with epoxy grout is a good option. Mm. Um, Tile with regular grout. Uh, if you get a lot of salt on your tile, it's eventually going to like crack through the grout and break it apart. Our first tank, we had a uh, natural stone tile in the room. That was a mistake. The uh, salt went into the stone and then crystallized and broke the stone apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like a luxury vinyl plank flooring looks good if you can try to keep the water off of it. That's it's why it's best to have your shower right outside of your tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, to avoid tracking salt through the rest of the room. Uh, anything that's like uh, wood composite fiber material is going to get destroyed. Don't use that. Um, yeah, it's got to be waterproof and it's got to be infiltration proof as best you can. Like sure, luxury right. vinyl is a good option because it's cheap to replace if it gets under there. Um, if you have a space that's on floor joists where you have like a basement underneath or a space, yeah, another floor below it, um, we found that adding like three quarter inch rubber, like it's basically stall mats that you would use in like a horse stable, um, in the whole room and underneath the tank helped to dampen a lot of the floor vibrations and helped to like, uh, like the room had an echo in it when we first walked into it and just adding the mats dampened the echo. Wow. And so it kind of adds weight to the floor and cool. isolation to separate like we actually built the walls on top of the rubber so the walls are nice. decoupled from the floor itself and uh, so that's that's one of the soundproofing solutions that we came up with jamie i love it i think you just need to be a regular get uh, like a host on the podcast here i love what you're talking about here the uh the, the soundproofing stuff um where your head is at for designing this stuff is like exactly what every float center owner needs to know about and uh, the insights that you've given tonight are incredibly valuable. I, I don't know if you're like, yeah, like, I don't know if you take it for granted now that you know it, but uh, the information that you have, most people don't have. So thanks for sharing what you have. And I didn't mean for this to be a plug for you for potential business, but how does somebody get in touch with you and, and where are you located? I'm in upstate New York um, near Saratoga Springs and uh, Albany, New York. And uh, you can get in touch with me via my email or website pretty easy to remember it's me at jjg.io website jjg.io um, my personal website not my center website perfect and, yeah uh, and, so we'll uh, include that email as well on the on our show notes yeah i think we may have the claim to fame for the smallest commercial float center in the world hmm. also just a, <laughs> on a parting thought uh, how many last, square feet i was like 280 yeah <laughs> it's it's tiny <laughs> whoa yeah okay that was, that was the last flow center we built it's tiny we had we use a shared bathroom and so our bathroom is not in the spot <laughs> and shared laundry but uh, 
Uh, I, I gotta say, illustration in a lobby in 280 square feet. That is unreal. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely was like, okay, he's going to give a number and, you know, we've seen a lot of float centers, you know, we'll, we'll be nice, but, uh, that's ridiculous. And I think you're yeah. absolutely right. That is probably the <laughs> smallest float center in existence. Wow. Yeah. Uh, keep it drew before we sign off. Is, is there anything that you just have to ask before we close out here? No, we're good. Thank you for coming on, Jamie. Appreciate it. I thought that was a lot of great information and I kid about the anxiety, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's a, like a rite of passage and it's a story that is told over and over again in the float yeah. industry that, you know, I turned my back and the con- the contractor did X, Y, and Z. What do yeah. I do now? And I think one even popped up on the float collective like last week. And, is uh, right? yeah, and it, I think it's hard and ask questions and, uh, be curious is definitely some good tips. Be there, be present. And, um, you know, ultimately you can say the general contractor is in charge, but really you're in charge. You're responsible. You're the one who's overseeing it and do your best to do your research and find out what it's all about. Jimmy, you're awesome. I'm so glad we, we met you. Thanks so much for being on the pod tonight. I really appreciate you. Ah, thanks for having me. It was a yeah. good discussion. <laughs> yeah, definitely be present. Because, um, yeah, the responsibility comes down to you in the end. It's your place. It's not the general contractor's place. It's not the drywall hangers' place. Um, so it's easy to just Google something. Just Google, like, hey, how does this stuff get installed? Mm-hmm. Go to images. There'll be a picture. Does it look like what's on the wall? You know, it's just pay attention and uh, be very curious about everything. That's, that's the best advice I can give. That's great. That is great advice. Thank you. <laughs> And in closing, let's see here. Drew and Kim, thank you guys so much for being here each and every week. Love seeing you guys. Um, Let's see here. Thank you, Olga, for producing the show and for setting up our guest tonight. Much, much appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the pod. We appreciate your ears so much. Thanks to everybody who's supporting uh, the Patreon as well. Uh, For anybody who wants float photography, video, blog posts, all that stuff, we're doing it. And uh, thanks to the people supporting or the businesses supporting the podcast as well. Thanks so much to Float Helm. Truly appreciate you and what you create for our float centers uh, and and uh, whether it's scheduling and employees, clients, all that stuff. It, it is a real, real impressive piece of software. Thank you. Thanks to the FTA for supporting us. So exciting to have the FTA on board with us. Uh, my gosh, I feel like the FTA has just... Uh, landed on the moon and you know the how far it's come it's it's such an amazing um, entity now and uh, I highly encourage people to sign up for the FTA be be a part of it um, and I don't just mean the board but I mean supporting it uh, as well become a member and of course mindful solution Kim's business mindful that's with two l's dot solutions uh, Kim can just take care of your marketing for you don't even don't even think about it she's gonna do it all for you, or it can be a nice mix so you can make sure that it's exactly what you want. Every time it goes out, you can modify it. comes with some also some pre, pretty sweet online software uh, when you work with Kim as well. And gosh, guys, I think that's it. And as always, I think we've said it uh, a number of times already, but uh, be there. Be, be physically present when the people are working on it. It sounds like it, it might not even annoy your general contractor or their employees. And if it does, it doesn't matter because you're going to be with that place for the next 10 years plus. So uh, until next week. See you next week.